0: Imagine the pain of a human who had a successful career that started at NBA league office and after several years led to the good senior positions with a number of professional sports teams around him. But his mental health took a sudden and rapid decline, which completely changes his world. I mean, isn't it painful? Due to the undissolved personal life traumas he failed to appropriately address at a younger age. The life experiences he was unaware were affecting his mental health. The man developed a severe bout of PTSD along with the symptoms of anxiety and depressions. This fall came essentially out of nowhere and left him almost permanently in bed and with severe cognitive impairment for just over two and a half years. Though, there comes a twist. Once he found a way to climb out of his abyss, he vowed to spend the rest of his life focused on changing the global conversation through mental health advocacy and turn his wounds into wisdom. Ah, that's so powerful. Hey everyone, I'm Priya and you're listening to Training Diary, the podcast. Your journey to connect with ideas, stories, experiences and people starts now. You might be wondering why I was narrating the story to you. So today I am fortunate enough to join Eric, who now is determined to spread this message that everyone in this world is affected by life's inevitable traumas and stresses. You can't escape them as they are part of human experiences and they impact us on many levels. Mental health exists. You can't escape them with some simply experiencing more severe declines than others over varying periods of time in their lives. Because of the experience, Eric believes one should all be open and accepting of those who need help, because we are one community in this crazy world, all fighting our own unique, but down to the deep, similar battles. Founder of We Are A Little Crazy and having more than 15-year profession of sports executive, Eric Cuisine bringing together athletes, celebrities, and experts practitioners and having valuable conversations around mental health. Let's tune in and hear the story from Eric himself. Hey Eric, welcome on Training Diary.
1: Hey Priya, how are you? Thanks so much for having me.
0: I'm I'm good. How are you doing today?
1: I'm good, I'm good. It's a little... uh in New York where i'm at the weather is a little bit turning right now back to snow uh huh used to change in weather but hey if that's if that's all there is to complain about it's not so bad then
0: mhm so so how was the pandemic with you is how had you spend it
1: yeah you know it's it's interesting cuz in my world um you know it's a lot of presentations and a lot of Uh, getting large groups together to have discussions. And so Mm -hmm. that still can take place over Zoom or or Mm -hmm. I guess, depending on what the video chat feature of choice is for whatever group we're meeting with. Um, But, you know, I I miss the in-person energy of a room and the interaction face to face where you can see and feel the impact that you're making on people. So, there's certainly a, um, you know, a piece of it that's missing for me that that feels like I'm um, a step removed from, you know, what it is that I love doing. But at the same time, during a difficult time where, you know, so many people are struggling right now, or at least not where they were before the pandemic started, um, it's nice to be able to rally people and, and to use motivation to get people up and about and moving and, and, and thinking about how they best take care of themselves.
0: Exactly. And so where I really vibe with you, because when you said that you really miss that, you know, the real connection, the real vibe with the people, I do miss it too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's, you know, unfortunately, a a big piece of what's happening again, you know, I'm speaking for here in the US, but, Mm -hmm. you know, you're hearing that a lot of people are struggling because of the term they use, which is isolation, right? Which means, you know, not being around other people. And I think we take for granted sometimes that, when we work in an office setting or an office environment, or if we're not working in an office environment, we have a job where we're traveling or we're on the road and we're meeting with people. Our job almost forces us into social situations and Mm -hmm. not meant in a bad way, meaning, meaning it in a good way. Um, And so when those social interactions are taken away from us, there's this feeling where we turn inside and we our, our brain starts to spin more we start thinking about what if scenarios and what what if I get sick? What if a family member gets sick? there's more time alone uh, and there's less of that interaction to be able to you know get yourself motivated and excited to do things to accomplish goals and objectives with other people. And I just think it's an interesting the reason you you know with, with you bring it up, I just wanted to reference it because I think it's so important that we have so many companies in this world right now that are considering because of costs, whether mm-hmm. or not they're going to go to full offices when the pandemic does, does end. Right. And, and that's going to be a luxury when it ends uh, because we're still in the midst of mm-hmm. it right now. But um, I would, I would err against it. Right. I, I understand there's, there's going to be a need for more flexibility. I understand there's going to be a need to allow people to have more, time at home, you know, that our world has certainly changed from this in terms of how we view the work-life balance, but I'm not in favor of the companies that are looking to go fully virtual, because I think that element of the way the human interaction really does hurt people's overall well-being.
0: I guess this is something I agree on you, (laughs) that it's really important to, you know, uh, to not disconnect people with the real life. It's really important to have this balance. Yep. So, Eric, first and foremost, I want to know how, how people will become aware of the fact that they're literally suffering from mental sickness. I mean, what does it seem like for an individual?
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I I can go based on my own lived experience and now doing this for three years and speaking with hundreds and hundreds of people. About their own experiences. Once once you, meaning me in this particular case, but anyone for that matter, Mm -hmm. opens up and shares, the beautiful thing is so many people start to share back. Right. And I think what's Mm -hmm. what's unfortunate is our society has been made to believe based on the messages that we learn in school or have learned. I think schools are getting better at it for so long in schools, the messages that we learn a little bit different here again in the U.S. and it is in other countries where the pharmaceutical companies can promote directly to us Um, and a little bit different in terms of, you know, pop culture and the way that television shows and movies and media portray what mental health is. The focus is almost exclusively Mm -hmm. on something that I call the two D's disorder and diagnosis. So when it comes to mental health, the thought is, oh, I either have this thing called depression or anxiety or PTSD or OCD or ADHD. There are all these different labels that we put on them, right? And so because of those labels, you know, people are afraid to, to have that label stuck on them. And so they avoid uh, uh, at all costs getting checked out, speaking to someone, uh, finding ways and pathways towards feeling better, Right. But the, but the interesting okay. thing is okay. that's not what mental health is. Mental health is not this uh, chalkboard with a, with a chart on it just of disorder. I'll, I'll throw some other phrases out there that are, that are probably a lot more recognizable to people when it comes to mental health. Lethargic, run down, beaten up, tired, exhausted, numb, right? Emotional flatline. Those are the symptoms of mental health. And when I say symptoms, right? It's important that we focus on those because if someone is going to avoid um, the labels and someone doesn't like the labels, well, then when they're feeling these things that I just described, they might think, oh, that's just my, mm-hmm. my brain's way of being a little bit off. I'll sleep it off and I'll feel better tomorrow and I'll sleep it off and I'll feel better the next day. But we don't do that with our physical health. If we walk down the street and we turn our ankle and it blows up in a big way from, from swelling, we go to the doctor and we get our ankle checked out. If we're feeling a, a, a sore throat that's really sore and, and very painful for three days, we eventually go to the doctor because we want to see if it's strep throat or, or if it's just a viral infection. And, you know, we, we look to see if there's something that the doctor can do to help us. But with mental health, there's this mm-hmm. fear that if I raise my hand and I ask for help, one, I'm weak, right? I know that's not something new. We hear about that so often in society that people say that. Um, and then two, that I'm going to be um, kind of labeled with this with this name. Um, and I don't want that label, right? And, and it's such a backwards way of thinking about health generally. Because back to the, the, the physical health example, if, if we only went based on labels, then I might sit on a couch and eat nachos all day french fries all day never go to the gym not worried all about my heart health Mm. or the plaque that's building up in my arteries and eventually when i'm 30 40 50 60 years old i develop this thing called heart disease or diabetes or cancer and then i take a pill for that and that's how i get better that's essentially how we're treating our mental health right now and so when you ask like, what are the signs of it you know and i mentioned those terms like beaten up broken down foggy brain numb. Uh, exhausted what does that look like in real life those terms it looks like when we get out of bed in the morning it feeling like there's a ton of bricks on top of us and it's difficult to wake up when we get out of bed finally when it feels like we have cinder blocks on our feet Uh, when we look at situations where there's a lot of options we have a difficult time deciding between those options it almost feels like it's overwhelming Um, when we go to do our morning routine, like brush our teeth and wash our face and go in the shower, instead of those things just coming naturally to us and then being part of kind of almost our automatic process, we actually have to think through them. They don't come to us naturally anymore. Um, we look at emails when we get into work and they're not as clear to us. They don't look like just straight lines of, where we can go from one to the other and knock through them. Instead, it it feels like this mishmash of information. We go into a a boardroom to present and we're nervous before we go in there or we fear that we might not remember what we're we're supposed to say when we're called upon or that we might freeze up uh, when someone asks us for information or for answers. And so I, I give a lot of examples there, Priya, because when our... Uh, central nervous system is functionally impacted by the stresses and traumas that we experience throughout the course of our lives. And those things accumulate up in us over a long period of time. These symptoms look, there's similarities in the symptoms, but there's also a lot of differences in the symptoms. Like uh, me telling you that laying in bed and feeling like a ton of bricks is on top of you is one of the symptoms. That's true. But there's also people who can't fall asleep at all. <laughs> so any type of change to mm-hmm. sleeping patterns is 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 a huge sign of mental health, unfortunately, taking a, a, a dive and a, and a turn for the worst. So there's a lot of things that I just shared there. Um, but I, but I think the main takeaway is not looking for the label and not being concerned about the label, looking for the changes in feelings, behaviors and activities
0: exactly i guess that's that's what anyone can apply to when uh, there's one thing stuck with me when these things you know our habits won't come naturally to us and when it takes too much effort or this Mm -hmm. girls to do that it really affects us it does and and, you know you
1: said uh, you know a habit right so you know the example that i gave with that habit is what we do in the morning And how it usually comes to us so naturally Mm -hmm. when I started, you know, with my own story, when I started feeling, you know, uh, that this was really making a big impact and I needed to do something about it. And I think I waited, you know, too long. Mm -hmm. It's exactly what happened. It was, it was, you know, I, I, I would wake up and instead of, you know, normally we don't have to think about these things. We're on our phone and we're multitasking we're making breakfast while we're, while we're getting other things ready. and, I couldn't do that. Uh, my brain almost was, was it had an inability to just go through the motions of the routines that we're so used to. Um, and so because of that, you know, th- I think that's a sign that people need to to pay attention to. And, and I think where we get caught up in, in believing that our body just needs rest, our body just needs rest. There's a truth to that, right? We, yeah, our body needs, you know, eight, six, seven, depending on the person hours of sleep. Um, but if you're sleeping too much or you're sleeping too little and it's lasting numerous days in a row, that's a sign mm-hmm. that something's going on. And, and that's a sign to start looking into things. Y- you're only going to catch up on sleep one or two days. You, this is not going to be something where your patterns are going to change, you know, for a week. And that's going to be something that's just related to a sleep deficit. Got you
0: got also also Eric I have observed that a lot of people are suffering from mental health sickness and consistently heard that that this term drives people away from asking for help because they are concerned with being categorized mm-hmm. in such a way so so how can one be more inclusive with with the messaging how can be a little vulnerable about the acceptance yeah about for sure. the same? no
1: thank you for asking that question that's something that, I mean, the reason why I got into the space of doing a um, a nonprofit mm-hmm. organization is, is exactly that reason. My background is in marketing. And, you know, you mentioned my background working in sports. Mm-hmm. You know, sports is a, is a great, um, yeah. you know, proving ground, so to speak, in terms of how do you rally a large group of people to do the same thing, right? You're, you're, you're mm-hmm. working on, with a fan base mm-hmm. when you're making it to the playoffs. How do you create a message that makes it feel like the entire fan base, the organization, the players are all working together towards the same goal? And what I was seeing in the space of mental health, mm-hmm. when you talk about specific messaging, I was seeing the opposite. And I don't think it was, it was intentional that, that these messages were divisive. I think they were, I'll explain to you what I think the intent was. And then unfortunately, what the, what the real takeaway from those messages were Um, But I but I do believe the messages that have been out there for so long have been more divisive than they have been ones that brought us together. So let's let's give three messages specifically that I think have hurt us as a society. So the first message is we always hear the stat over and over and over again. One in five people are mentally ill. Right. And in some countries, it's one in four people. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one point five people, whatever the case is. Let's just keep it simple. One in five people are mentally ill. And you see it all over Mm. these websites. And so whoever were the marketing Mm. uh, minds behind that message, their thought was, well, that's a lot of people. Twenty percent of people having mental illness. That means that more people will take this seriously because 20 percent of people is a lot of people. What they're not taking into consideration with that message is (laughs) we're telling the other 80% of people, four out of five, that mental health isn't a topic for them, that they're healthy, fine, normal, okay, there's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong. And and again, when I use, you know, physical health as an analogy, if we just told people, don't worry about your physical health, you're healthy, fine, normal, okay, because you don't have something called cancer or diabetes – people's bodies would fall apart, right? Mm -hmm. We've been able to get people into the mindset of proactively working on their physical health because even if it's for vanity purposes, to look good in their shirt or whatever it is, they found ways to teach kids at young ages, jump rope for your heart, right? And eat green, healthy foods, right? But we don't do that with mental health. So the first thing is going away from the message of one in five to a message of five in five. All five and five of us, deal with something related to our mental health why because we all deal with challenges in life <laughs> everybody deals with the loss of loved ones sickness of yeah. loved ones verbal abuse you know unfortunately in many cases sexual abuse um bullying cyber bullying uh you know uh moving houses divorces breakups job losses i mean the, the list is a mile long and so is there really a person in this world whose mental health hasn't been impacted? Maybe it's not been in- impacted to the level of disorder, um, but it's been impacted. Right. So, so I'd say that's mm-hmm. number one is moving away from one in five, more to five and five and saying that mental health lives on a continuum instead of the, 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 the focus always being only on mental illness. Right. Uh, so that's, 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 that's messaging. Number one right. message. Number two is, There's all these campaigns that these organizations and these government agencies try to use to rally people to be proactive about mental health and talk about changing the way in which people view it. And the campaigns are usually copycats of one another because once you think something works, you say, I'll take that and I'll just tweak it to make it my own. And so the messages for so long have been an action word followed by stigma. So stop the stigma, stop the stigma, erase the stigma, break the stigma. The problem with that campaign off the heels of the one in five message that I mentioned before is that if there's an organization that is protective mm-hmm. of the group of people in the one in five category, the term stigma means that there's a group of people forming opinions and judgments unfairly about another group of people. So essentially what we're saying is you all, the, the healthy, fine, normal, okay people, you need to stop stigmatizing this poor group of the one in five sick people over here. And that message is a When we say... ...child, it's, it, it's in our DNA. If a child is throwing a toy and we say, hey, Johnny, stop throwing that toy, the <laughs> first thing Johnny does is pick up and continue to throw that toy, right? We we change behavior By sharing our similarities, not pointing out our differences and 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 politics is showing that right like it's getting more and more divisive, especially here in the US, the more we point fingers uh, at the other side, is that when we share how we are similar, that's what brings us together way more than sharing our differences and so back to the whole five and five idea. Well, if we all face challenges, that means it shouldn't be a mm-hmm. stop the stigma. Yeah, that sounds like a rallying cry to the one in five group. It doesn't sound like a rallying cry to the rest of the population. And that's why we went with the message same here, which is an American sign language sign. And and for those who are just hearing the podcast, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's made by pointing your thumb at your chest, curling your three middle fingers like mm-hmm your pinky out at the other person and you're gesturing back and forth.
0: Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Eric. Uh, Eric, sorry, when you were saying about the chest yep. strategies, moving your three fingers, there okay. there was a cut. There was a cut when you were say, uh, saying. I, I didn't listen. Yeah, to sure. it, so can you please be so the question? So
1: to make the same yeah. the here, yeah, American Sign Language sign that we use to replace the Stop the Stigma campaigns, our sign is your thumb pointed at your chest, Mm -hmm. your three middle fingers curled like a fist. Mm -hmm. And then the pinky pointed out at the person you're talking to, or the shouldn't say the person, the group of people that you're talking to. And you're saying I, by pointing your thumb at your chest and the same as you with the pinky. And now you're pointing it back and forth. And why are we the same? Well, Priya, we're the same, not because you and I both have the same label of anxiety or depression. We're the same because we both face challenges in our life that have impacted our mental health. And that's part of the human experience. And if we can come mm-hmm. together and rally around those similarities, instead of breaking us apart based on our differences, well, guess what? That's a much greater rallying cry that brings us together, right? So so, so that's where the Same Here campaign came right. about. And then the third thing that we noticed that was divisive was all of these nonprofits and government agencies were excited that, you know, certain celebrities were coming out and sharing their stories. So even before social media, it started with Britney Spears and Lindsay Lohan and everyone would say, oh, you know, great news. Britney Spears, she's one of the one in five group and Lindsay Lohan. She's one of the one in five. Group. Britney Spears has depression. Lindsay Lohan has anxiety. And then what they would do is they would link on their websites to the articles that were written about these celebrities. And the articles were written by the tabloid media and pictures taken by the paparazzi. And so the story would say, Britney Spears has depression, so she shaves her head. And Lindsay Lohan has anxiety, so she dresses like a hot mess, right? (laughs) And and you could go down the list. Charlie Sheen has addiction. He looks like a skeleton when he leaves his house because he does coke all the time because of his addiction. Like, all these stories, all they were doing was painting this very perverse picture of what mental health is. And, And so you now combine those three messages, Priya. One in five people only have it. Let's stop stigmatizing that group of one in five people. And if you want an example of what that one in five people look like, well, look no further than the celebrities who shave their heads, run off basketball courts in a panic attack, look like skeletons and and dress like hot messes. Well, no wonder why most of our society then, if that's what the understanding is, that's why our society doesn't take this topic seriously. That's why our society doesn't proactively work on it, because they think Mm -hmm. it's a topic that's not for them. So so a long answer to your short question, but you, know, you were asking what can we do to change the wording around it? We do it by being inclusive. We do it by talking about our mm-hmm. similarities. We do it by talking about that mental health is a topic for all of us. We do it by talking about the continuum we're on. If we do that, mm-hmm. the conversation changes. But unfortunately right now, I think our society is content with the fact that well, more celebrities are talking about it, so we're getting to a better place. And I don't agree with that because when the incessant focus from the celebrities is on just their disorder labels, I, this basketball player, or I, this movie performer, I, this musician, have depression, or I have bipolar, or I have PTSD, it helps the people who've already been labeled with that to relate and feel like they're not alone, but it further perpetuates and separates them from the rest of the 80 percent of the people who don't have the label and don't want to believe they have the label so so i think we have to have a real conversation with ourselves as a society Mm -hmm. and say we got to get away from bucketing people and more towards sharing what our similarities are
0: Mm, amazing uh i really like this point when you said that it's, it's our similarities which bring us together rather than, you know, choosing differences. And that's a very smart move of uh, going with the same hair campaign for treating people. I guess it's really important that when we, you know, talking about this thing, we are not treating it as a disorder or, you know, some... Trauma, yeah. which which exclude people from the society and make them yeah, feel you, you about know, themselves. You know, you made me
1: think of something so, just there yeah, that, you know, you. maybe this is where one of those ideas came to my mind is I remember when I worked at the NBA, the, the, the league office for the National Basketball Association, when I was first coming out of college. And we worked with this organization that would bring together mm-hmm. uh, refugees from different countries to learn to play basketball together. And even though they didn't speak the same language mm-hmm. And even though, you know, some Mm -hmm. of their countries were even, you know, not the best of friends, once they got on the basketball court and were able to bond over similarities, what were their similarities? That they loved the game and that they understood how to play the game. They didn't even need to speak that same language. Mm -hmm. But that brought them together and enabled further communications Mm -hmm. to take place where they got to know one another, learned each other's languages, and then learned why politically – Each, you know, each of their countries felt the way that they did. It was the similarity of the sport of basketball that did it. And so I think any coming together needs to start with, you know, what what do we have that's in common? If we start with that, we can build from there and better understand one another.
0: A journey of getting a lot of stories heard about mental health from the celebrities and how people had overcome it. So, what's the one story that found you found very impactful from an influencer, a celebrity, yeah, or you a player, and why? So I know every story has a unique essence yeah. and different values no, to it, I but still, that. the, no, one, I'll go one, the one, 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 your favorite
1: that uh, was was the first celebrity that ever joined this concept of doing an alliance with us, and it was because his story was so different than mine that I I was drawn towards it because of how different it was but because of how our different traumas led us to feeling a similar way okay so so here's the story it's a gentleman named here in 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 the north america his name is theo flurry he's an nhl hockey player who won a stanley cup his first year in the nhl and will likely make it to the hall of fame and he's he's retired now but his story is that mm-hmm. when he was 15, 16 years old, between those two ages, uh, in, in Canada, where he grew up, uh, the athletes would go and train at their coaches' houses. Because, you know, hockey was such a big sport then. And if you could find a coach who had a good pipeline into the NHL, you were going to train with that coach. Well, Theo was raped. Theo is a straight male who was mm-hmm. raped by his male coach. Over 150 times is, is the is the estimate um, over over the span of Theo staying at this coach's house. And so people might say, well, why did Theo not open up and share? Well, he was wrought with with anxiety. He was wrought with the fear and the and the trauma of what this man was doing to him. He was also unsure of what it would mean if he ever opened up about it because his fear was that his, his career and his ability to get to the NHL would be halted Mm -hmm. because of the power that this man had to be able to recommend him to all these teams. And so he stayed quiet about it. He never told anyone and he ends up going and playing in the NHL and has the career that I explained before. He, He not only won the Stanley cup, he won Olympic gold medals with team Canada and he um the entire time he played, he never opened up with anyone. And so the only way he was able to make it through his career was by drinking and drugs and gambling and sex and you name it, whatever vice there was, he was using it. And because of that, he ends up, his career is over. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately what happens with many people's career when it ends, and especially with athletes, when their career ends, at a much younger age, you know, in their in their lower to mid 30s, um, he he found himself losing all purpose and losing all identity, and he was in his house in um, in New Mexico, which is a house that he bought to kind of be his retirement house, and and th- this is a very scary sight to 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 think about, but he had a gun rattling between his teeth, ready to end his life. And something came over him, and it said, Theo, you've never quit anything in your life before. You can't quit now. You have to keep on going. And he ended up throwing the gun uh, off his porch. Um, He was in the middle of a desert. He said he threw it into the desert, never to look for that gun again. And he ended up going on this uh, journey of self-exploration of why, why am I feeling this way? Why do I not know how to live life on life's terms and ended up sharing his story uh with the world he didn't know that he'd be that vulnerable but what the more he started sharing in writing the more it started pouring out of him and here is this star athlete who's opening up to the world about something that's would be appear to be so private for other people but the reason why his story resonates so much with me is because my story is not related to sexual abuse. My story is related to the sickness of my brother uh, for over 20 years and and, and and so many ailments that he had gone through. And then the passing away of three of my close friends when I was in my early 20s. and And even though our traumas were so different... Mm-hmm where we ended up, what we were feeling, which was we didn't know how to live life on life's terms. We, we our, our brains were breaking down. We felt like we had no nothing left to give. We, we ended up at the same place, even though our traumas were so different. And so there was so much power to me in his story, but also all the things that he had turned to in his story. I mean, for me, the only thing that I turned to, not realizing it at the time, But work was my vice. That's what I turned to. I I kept working and working and working more. And and that allowed me to avoid dealing with all the painful memories that I had had from a a child. Theo was one of those people. He's the poster boy for I'll try everything that there is (laughs) until it runs out to see if it could just mask whatever my feelings are. And I think that's what we as a society, unfortunately, do is we go through difficult events and we're not taught how to deal with them and because we're not taught how to deal with them we reach for whatever is the easiest quickest thing to help us cope and when we do that then we get ourselves into worse places so uh, hopefully you can understand why his story Mm -hmm. resonates so much with me now
0: exactly and this story the one you had shared has given goosebumps to me i mean really amazing what uh, what a shift it was a quick little
1: story on why the name of the organization is same here Mm -hmm. so when when i connected with theo this was the middle of 2017 Mm -hmm. before the whole me too movement uh uh went viral and so um theo was telling me his story and he says there was a man Mm -hmm. waiting in line to sign his book 10 years prior to this in 2007 um and the man was waiting in line. He looked homeless. He had a beaten up hat. Um, it was pulled down over his eyes. His clothes were all beaten up. He really looked like he, he, he didn't have a home. And he was clutching Theo's book like it was a baby. And he just get up gets up to Theo on the front of the line and talk about mm-hmm. chills. I get chills whenever I share the story, even though we've all heard this phrase so often. He just puts the book down in front of Theo, looks him in the eyes, pulls his hat up and looks Theo in the eyes and says, Theo, me too. And when I heard that, I got these goosebumps where I said (laughs) to Theo, I said, this guy said a thousand words to you just by saying two words. We got to do something about this. And that's where I went to the American Sign Language website and I looked up the sign for me too, which is what I described with the thumb and the pinky. Now, ironically you know, the whole Harvey Weinstein story breaks and the whole me too movement becomes viral about a month after this. (laughs) So I called up Theo and I said, uh, I hope you don't mind, Mm -hmm. but I think we're going to need to find something else. That's a synonym for me too, that, um, we could still use the same hand gesture, but we have to, we have to phrase it differently because me too is being used for sexual abuse specifically. And he said, yeah, I totally agree. I totally understand. That's what we should do. Mm -hmm. And so I found on the American Sign Language website, same here. And I think it's serendipitous that it worked out that way because (laughs) same is a lot more collaborative than me is. Even though they're technically synonyms of one another, when you're saying Mm -hmm. you and I were the same, there's a more kind of, you know, communal nature to it. And so... You know, it's funny if 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 his story had broken uh, a a month, uh, you know, many months later, we might still be using Me Too instead of Same Here. But uh, it ended up morphing into Same Here. So I'm kind of I'm I'm pleasantly okay with how it turned out, given how much it seems to have resonated with people.
0: Mm, Again, what a aware, what a smart. But and very things, very things, connected things with. happen for a reason
1: so i just i take them in stride and and say how do we how do we make exactly. this work now that this is the new situation
0: things happens for a reason exactly so so uh eric what's your favorite tips or medications that you suggest people to generally avoid the situation or i won't I say avoid it but you also treat themselves somewhere you consider it as a self-healing or Mm -hmm. improve their mental sickness from their own maybe they can uh definitely they can you know just reach out to the organizations like you or to have a doctor but still when we say it to their own level so we always consider you know prequations are always better than cure so what, are, uh, for, so what are the tri- tips and tricks that they can have it or if they think, you know, like consider me, if I got this vibe, okay, I had this, you know, this mental health thing. So how would I cure from myself sure. how so, this so self healing thing, thing, use thing the
1: phrase, works? It's interesting you use the phrase cure, right? Because we're all a work in progress and we're all going to have fluctuations mm-hmm. that go up and down. So we want to feel the best we can. We want to manage Mm -hmm. whatever symptoms we get, but we also know that there isn't such thing as cure, right? We don't cure our physical health. All of us are walking around where, you know, Mm -hmm. something's a little off, whether it's, we have a GI problem or, um, you know, our blood pressure is a little high, our Cholesterol is a little bit high, or our blood sugar is a little bit high, or we've got a pain in our foot that won't go away. Right? Like, Everything is always a work in progress, and it, and and when we get older, <laughs> our physical health starts to fail us a little bit too, right? So, so that's part of the equation. So the same thing is the case with mental health: is is how do we best, you know, feel better when we're in a very difficult spot, but also manage how we're feeling so that we can be proactive about things, so that as more and more life challenges start to impact us, we can be we can we can be. Well prepared for what might come our way, and so we do that through something that we call STAR exercises, and that that acronym is S T A R R double R, and so STAR stands for stress and trauma, so the mm-hmm. two things that build up inside of us, and then the A stands mm-hmm. for active, meaning we're doing activities, and then the two R's stand for release and rewiring. Okay. And so what we're doing is we're saying the bad stuff that builds up inside of us from the difficult life events that we experience, we can actively do practices that release and rewire that stress and trauma from our system, right? And so if we do that, well, now we have options. And I think that's the most important thing for people to feel when it becomes a conversation about hope, right? Because, you know, to your point about healing naturally, it's not necessarily that, you know, I want Mm -hmm. someone to heal naturally versus unnaturally. Believe me, if there was a pill out there, that was a magic pill that healed all of us. I'd be the first one raising my hand and signing up and saying, (laughs) give it to me right now. But the reality Mm -hmm. is the way that we feel our best (laughs) is no different than what happens with our physical health, right? If we all go to a gym And we look at what's available to us in a gym for our physical health, for us to lose weight, for us to lower our cholesterol, our blood pressure, for us to, you know, get in better cardiovascular shape and, 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 you know, get rid of some of the plaque in our arteries. We can do the bicycle, the treadmill, the elliptical machine, the free weights, the universal weights, the boxing, the kickboxing, the swimming. There's so many different things that we can try, but when it comes to our mental health, unfortunately, we're usually taught a singular modality if we're lucky oh you need to learn how to meditate or you need to learn breathing practices right yeah <laughs> well, the truth is there's a gym for the brain just like there's exactly. a gym for the body there's all these modalities out there and and you know i'll give everyone the website it's seen here where they can check out these star exercises there's over 20 different star exercises we list and that's that's not because There's not more out there. It's because we don't want to inundate people with too much information. But we have different practitioners who champion each of these different exercises so that people can learn, oh, that's interesting. I like that. Or this one feels like it works. That's perfectly okay because we're all different individuals. We all have different interests, different things that motivate us and different things that affect us. So wouldn't it make sense then that different exercises work for us right so you know just so i'm not avoiding the question yes there's yoga but okay what types of yoga there's something called yin yoga where it's more openers and stretches that allow you to kind of release stored tense energy and stagnant energy that's in your body which is a little bit different than a flow or vinyasa type of yoga um there's something called tapping which works on the meridians in our body and helps to to release the stored energy pockets there of stagnant energy. Also, when we say phrases while we're doing it, there's a singing meditation who would have thought meditation. You can sing instead of having to sit there just with your eyes closed, trying to keep your mind empty. This one, you can actually sing words out loud And the way that your, your vagus nerve vibrates as you sing, starts to bring healing to your body. So, you know, those are just three examples uh, that you find on the website. Most important takeaways I want people to know is you're never out of options. And that that was not what was told to me. And that's what scared me is that when I went inpatient to a psych ward hospital and the, the attending psychiatrist who is a top doctor in the country, and she looked at my chart and all the medications that I had tried and everything I'd been on. And she said, Eric, your last resort is to do shock therapy. And that really freaked me out. Because when I heard the term "last resort," I thought I was so damaged okay. that nothing else would ever get me better. Well, I come to find out, after doing all this work that I'm in right now, there's so many different ways to heal. There's so many different ways to get better. That that's the hope that we need to instill in people because they don't understand that all these options are available to us.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, you said it's so right. If you are lucky enough, because even I'm the one who just have heard about the meditation, nothing else. Like if you are suffering from mental health or if you want to be have a good mental health, just go for meditation. I really don't right. know about the nineteen right. other drinks or and twenty and look, other
1: drinks. In fairness, in fairness to you know all of us yeah. in society, mm-hmm. you know, and I know it's different in different cultures, but mm-hmm. when we're sick and 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 we have a strep throat or bronchitis or pneumonia our parents take us to the this magical place called the mm-hmm. pediatrician and he prescribes this medication or she prescribes this medication that is mm-hmm. you know sometimes even bubblegum flavor it's so good it's penicillin in a bubblegum flavor and we take it and we sleep for a day or two <laughs> and this magic from this medication we take makes us feel better so why wouldn't we be under the impression that when we're not feeling well, when we get older as an adult, there's going to be a medication that just cures us. Like you were saying with the term cure, right? Well, that's because we've been conditioned to believe that for so long. And so unfortunately, that's why that word active in star is so important. We need practices, active exercises, not meaning you have to sweat so much, but you have to get yourself out of the bed. And I know that's difficult for a lot of people, so I'm not diminishing that. But to get ourselves out of the bed to do these types of movements to start to release the energy out and to start to get us feeling better. Because if not, what I, the term that I use is stagnation breeds stagnation. Meaning if we stay in one spot, we continue to stay in that spot over and over and over again. And our body just gets used to that. We have to get ourselves up and moving.
0: Also, Eric, before wrapping up. Uh, there's one thing I'm curious to know, which I generally ask to everyone, every guest who come on the show. So Eric, what is the one trend that you really want to see more evolving in the new world? Or I say there's the one thing that you want to what see more to embrace see in the is, new era. You know,
1: and hopefully it sounds a little different than some of the stuff I said before is vulnerability. I think vulnerability is the key to connection. And Mm -hmm. I think what we do is because we live in the age of social Mm -hmm. media and we're behind our screens and our phones and our tablets and our computers, is it's much easier for us to take an opinion and say, this opinion is right and I'm going to stick by it. And then we're afraid to show any level of vulnerability because if we show any vulnerability, well, now this strongly held opinion that we have and whatever the topic is, people can poke holes in it and take us down. and you know, I look at the way that social media is used and, you know, we talk about all the problems that we're seeing because of social media where, you know, people are only showing their happy pictures and only showing the pictures of themselves in, in, in you know, the greatest light with the, with the greatest filters, with the, you know, the best backgrounds. And I, I like to see our world get to the place where we actually enjoy hearing and seeing what is real about people. And what makes them who they are, because of their vulnerabilities, way more so than because we think a picture is attractive. And I think if we can get there, that allows us to open up to the the conversations that are difficult, like the politics, right, and like the social causes and stuff like that. Right now, we're so we're mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're we're ramming heads against one another instead of actually coming together. And it it goes back to that basketball example. You get people to relate to at least one thing they have in common and that they can share. Hey, look at something as simple as if you sit in a circle and someone else says, my name's Priya, you're going to be like, oh my God, my name's Priya too. That's not that big a deal. But for whatever reason, you feel so much more of a connection to that person mm-hmm. that they have the same name as you. And it breaks down that wall, right? So so think about that, how our similarities bring us exactly. together. I'd love to see that the trend Uh, moving forward that we can all take one little brick out of our wall that we put up and let people see behind that wall into the city that we have behind us
0: again this is something a me too moment for anyone and and you said it's so right on social media when we talk about our generation or any any people anyone uh they just post the videos the stories the kind Mm -hmm. of pictures that is you know very very glamorous or you know the only one part of their life only one part of their life that is good that is happy but people underestimate that even those those are the one who had faced challenges in their life these happy faces had some sad moments too so you don't have to you know envy with yeah. someone or
1: but let's say someone mm-hmm. has great news to share it's you know and then other people are mm-hmm. jealous of that news or want to take them down because mm-hmm. of their jealousy um You know, the the line is, well, don't judge me based on the win that you're seeing. You haven't seen all the losses that I've been through. Right. And I think that that's a really poignant point. You know, it's true. We we get to our wins by learning from our losses. Right. And so um, I think we need to consider that when we're looking at people's wins that they're posting. (laughs)
0: exactly applause for for that line (laughs) that that touched me (laughs) so so eric it was lovely having you on the show and i had great time thank you so much i i hope a lot of people will get inspiration from you will join your organization and you would be able to impact more and more lives and change a lot of people life or mental health condition for good. Thank you so much for your values. Thank, thank you, you so Priya. much we'll for accepting the invitation okay? and coming on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. And you beautiful people, thank you so much for listening. I hope you get some value today. If you have some ideas, stories, or experiences to discuss, you can DM us at the Instagram page of Training Diary. And You can also have the glance of the episodes on the blog TrendingDialy.com. I'll see you soon in the next episode. Till then, stay tuned and God bless us all.